Welcome back to another episode of the Pug and Cop Boxing Show on The Athletic. This is Mike Coppinger with Lance Pugmire, getting into all the biggest and best in the world of boxing. Today, we're going to be joined by Leo Santa Cruz, the Ford Division champion who fights Gervonta Davis on Halloween, October 31st on Showtime Pay-Per-View. And we're also going to discuss the Wilder Fury 3 fiasco with that fight falling apart. Whose fault was it? What happened there? We're going to break it all down. Of course, we're going to preview the biggest fight in some time, Vasily Lomachenko against Teofimo Lopez this Saturday on ESPN. And then we'll recap Emmanuel Navarrete's win over Ruben Villa and get into what's next. And if you're not already subscribed to read mine and Lance's stuff over at The Athletic, you can do so right now for just $1 per month. That's theathletic.com slash cop for just $1 per month. All right, let's get started now. So Lance, you know, we have, to, we have the big news over the weekends with Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder 3 falling apart. Um, obviously a crazy, crazy situation folding out right now. We thought this fight was happening December 19th. We had some rumors going around the weekend and then Tyson Fury told us that he is moving on from the fight. He's tired of the date shifts and he's ready to smash Wilder again in a few fights. But for now, he's looking at a December 5th return in London, uh, presumably against a tune-up type opponent while he looks forward to that two fights, uh, series of fights with Anthony Joshua in 2021. But what do you make of all this? I mean, you know, this is certainly a blindside for everyone. It's crazy, Mike, and I think it's a result, as you reported, um, great job on this, by the way, and I know you worked very hard all the way, you know, past the midnight hour to get this to our readers. You know, the thing that, what happened with Tyson Fury was that, you know, look, this fight had been delayed twice, and now he's being told that it's not going to be allowed to be staged on the on the television networks because of a, a loaded schedule due to college football and even some NFL action, that it's going to push it to you know, January or early February. And I think he just said, look, I'm not, I'm not going to wait any longer. I'm going to, I'm going to take this fight that I, I want to have a homecoming fight earlier in the month in December. And then I want to get it to the fights that are going to be the, the real, the real, you know, money makers for me, which is against Anthony Joshua, a massive fight, you know, uh, between these two UK idols that can be, um, staged either in the UK or maybe somewhere over in Saudi Arabia, right? I mean, that to me, after seeing everything that's played out, this is all Tyson Fury's decision, and as heavyweight champion, uh, you know, to the winners go the spoils, right? No, you're exactly right. That's exactly what's happening now. I, I, listen, I don't blame Tyson. This is a guy who's battled a lot of depression issues. He's clearly happy right now, and he's clearly at his happiest when he's fighting, when he's training. And... Look, he hasn't fought since February when he laid a beating on Deontay Wilder and knocked him out in the seventh round. Deontay Wilder had 30 days to exercise that rematch clause. He did so quickly. The fight was supposed to happen by July 18th. It was scheduled for July. And it said in the contract, if one of the fighters cited injury, it could be delayed 90 days. Well, Wilder cited injury, and then it had until October 18th to happen. And they had it scheduled for October 3rd. They had to move it because of the novel coronavirus, and they need fans, of course, after the second fight produced nearly a $17 million gate. And now here we are with, like you said, December 19th falls by the wayside because of the college football season unexpectedly pushing through all those bowl games that day. And then finally, they're trying to move it, like you said, January, February. 
I don't blame Tyson. He looked at the writing on the wall. He said, enough is enough. I don't want to delay it anymore. I want to get my fight in. I want to be active. And I also don't want to delay this Joshua fight. The Joshua fight against, you know, is the biggest that can be made in boxing by a mile. It's the biggest in combat sports. So I really do feel for Deontay Wilder here. You know, he certainly did nothing wrong, but it's just a bad situation. Um, And I think there's going to be a lot to sort out over the coming weeks. Well, it's interesting, Mike, because I I had a conversation and I know you've been talking to Bob Arum as well, but I spoke to him yesterday and, and, you know, what he told me is that, that, look, I mean, for the Wilder side, they knew all this was going south with this TV schedule, that this TV schedule was now blocking them out of fighting on December 19th. And for them to like kind of be to be raising their voice right now, they're just too late to the game. And he's specifically talking about Wilder's manager, Shelly Finkel. That, you know, look, everyone involved, including the, the television people who are connected to PBC, knew that there were these problems. They were looking for solutions. The solutions were not necessarily coming from the Wilder side or from the PBC side. And then finally, Fury steps up and says, like you said, you know, that's it. I, I'm going to do what I want to do. And let's be honest. I think, Mike, he's scripting. Uh, uh, the most effective story that he can because the Wilder fight can still be there for him, but now he gets to move move forward toward the, the fight that I think everyone wants to see, which is Fury-Joshua. Yeah, I spoke to Shelly as well. I know you did too. And he said that he spoke to Deontay. Deontay is very disappointed and all he wants to do is fight Fury and he'll fight him anytime, anyplace. And Shelly's going to try hard to, to keep this alive, but I don't see it happening. I think the ship has sailed at this point and... Hopefully, you know, Wilder will get his crack another time. I think he deserves it. Uh, but I don't think this is necessarily the worst scenario for Deontay right now. Because I don't see what he could have done after that seven-round thrashing to, you know, to really give himself a chance to beat Fury at this very moment. Mm-hmm. Let him fine-tune some things. Let him get a couple of wins. Um, maybe if you're PBC, you know, you're, you're supposed to have Andy Ruiz fighting Chris Ariola. Uh, if Ruiz beats Ariola as expected, get Wilder win against somebody have them fight each other next year. That's a big f- summer fight. Mm-hmm. Wilder and, and Andy Ruiz. It they abs- can fight each other while Joshua's fighting Fury. And look, I really don't think that Joshua Fury is going to be very hard to put together. They they already got the hard part squared away. They already agreed. 52 fight deal, 50-50 split for the first fight, 60-40 in the second fight in favor of the winner. I don't think this is all that complicated to get done. Yeah, and it's it's a very exciting thing, isn't it, Mike? I mean, you know, certainly for Tyson Fury, he gets this homecoming fight, so it's an opportunity for him to stay sharp. And he, ha- like you said, he has stayed sharp in the gym. Yeah, this guy, he's going to be, you know, peaked going into this fight against Anthony Joshua, who still has to deal with, and I expect him to win, but still has to deal with his mandatory defense against Kubrat Pulev on December twelfth. You know, Tyson will be will have fought, and we'll be watching that fight close. And then you've got, you know, several months of of hype leading into, let's be honest, Mike. I mean, this is the biggest heavyweight fight in a very long time now. Yeah, it's certainly the biggest since Tyson Lennox Lewis in 2002. We're talking about two of the biggest stars in the sport. I think even the UFC fans who don't watch boxing know who these guys are. They're even in the UFC game. (laughs) Um, (laughs) This is a gargantuan fight. Obviously, they can sell out Wembley with ease if they want to. They can pack any stadium, you know, in the UK or in the Middle East, what they want. This is going to be a true tentpole event. Um, 
I, I can't wait. I mean, this is, I think this is good news all around, honestly. And I don't even, like, like we said, Deontay Wilder, I, I understand he's a competitor. He's going to be disappointed right now, but maybe get him a couple of big wins. I mean, who yeah. would you like to see him fight next? Well, who I do think is viable. I threw it out there, Mike. I mean, look, he's got this guy, Robert Herlanius, who's six foot seven. He's almost as tall as Tyson Fury. That may be a good comeback fight for Deontay because I think he would win that fight. Um, you know, by all accounts, from what we're hearing from Deontay's camp, he's been completely invested in into his strength and uh, conditioning uh, workouts and, you know, is really getting a lot stronger. Look, it can't hurt to step into the ring against someone and then test test, you know, what those strides, how those strides are doing for you. And you're absolutely right to the to go from there to a, a point against a fight against someone like Andy Ruiz Jr., Who's going to bring significant power where you can kind of like, you know, reconnect to, to show that you're the guy that can take a punch, unlike what we saw in February. Uh, that's going to be a great it's going to be a great opportunity for Deontay Wilder. And this is a guy, again, no matter what you say, and it's almost like I know we're going to be talking about the Tiafimo Lopez fight coming up. No matter what you say, no matter where he is in the fight, he has the ability to unleash that that killer right hand. and. Deontay Wilder has that and really no one else in the division does. So this guy is by no means done. He's stepping aside basically to allow um, a two great events that will bring so much attention to the heavyweight division. And then he's going to be right there to fight the winner likely. Yeah. And look, this being boxing, we know this is not going to go away easily. I'm sure there'll be plenty of controversy and battles behind the scenes in the coming weeks to try to save this thing, even if it's not salvageable. Um, I think another issue is Deontay's going to be 35 next week. And if Wilder and Joshua, sorry, if Fury and Joshua are going to fight twice next year, we're talking about Wilder not getting a crack at Fury or Joshua until, you know, he's probably going to be 36 by that point. He's going to be 20, 22 at the earliest. So it's going to be disappointing. But I, I think PBC, they, they have Ruiz too. I think this is easy for them. Have Wilder come back in January, perhaps or February. Have him fight, you know, a tune-up type opponent. And then go straight into the two fights with Andy Ruiz. Andy Ruiz is a big star now too. Those are that's a really big fight, I think. Yeah, Mike. And l- let's be honest. The last thing that goes is power. So even if he is thirty six when he gets these fights, mm-hmm. you know he's still look. He's got he's got uh, you know something that's uh, really bothering him. Clearly, you know suffering this this first loss is is a is a tough blow to deal with. He definitely wants revenge. He's going to be driven, you know, beyond belief. And all it does is make that fight a fight that, let's be honest, December 19th, I, look, I think a lot of people were looking at that bout and saying, oh, Fury's just going to repeat what he, what he did in February. Now, you know, we'll see some, we'll see some other bouts thrown in there. And, you, you know, you can't say that uh, so easily if, if Wilder has won a couple, three fights between then and now. Yeah, you're right. That was the prevailing sentiment, uh, especially with a lot of casual fans. I had a lot of friends asking me, why are we seeing Wilder and Fury again? It wasn't even competitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was a hard sell. This is a fight that was not going to do the 800,000 plus pay-per-views it did the first time. And, you know, look, Lance, before we move on, I want to know what you think. Overall, we, we, look, we're, we're losing a big fight on a 2020 schedule. But is this good news for boxing or bad news? You have to say, Mike, I mean, now that all things are considered, because my first my first hunch was that, you know, oh, they've got a contract and this is just going to sort of like create a, a legal mess. The contract has expired. So 
you know, Tyson Fury wants to move on to Anthony Joshua. We're going to get that probably in the first half of uh, 2021. By all means, it's a good thing for boxing. And more great things for boxing, Lance, is, you know, we have Leo Santa Cruz fighting Gervonta Davis, Halloween, October 31st. I love that they're going to have more than 10,000 fans there in attendance. It's a big fight. It's a big test for Gervonta Davis uh, and a chance for Leo Santa Cruz to prove he's still one of the best in the world. And we're going to hear from him right now on what this all means. And I'll be back in just a minute after a word from our sponsor. And now we're going to be joined by one of the best fighters in the world, 130-pound champion Leo Santa Cruz, who is fighting Gervonta Tank Davis on October 31st in San Antonio. And it's going to be the first big fight to actually hold fans since this pandemic got underway. Leo, thanks for joining us. And I'm wondering, how important was it to you to fight in all of your fans? Hello, thank you very much. I'm doing great. And, you know, yeah, this fight, you know, is very important. It was a big fight. So, you know, it was very important to have be in front of fans because for us to fight only me and Tank only to be in the ring with no fans it was you know going to be frustrating not the same motivation not the same hunger I think but now that we're going to fight with fans you know I'm, I got really excited I'm happy and fight in front of, of fans so I'm just very happy and motivated and you know ready to go out there and give a great show you know you've been involved in some big fights you had the series of of bouts with Carl Frampton you had some good fights with Abner Mares. But Gervonta Davis, in our, in our minds, is going to be the, the toughest fight of your career. And it was a fight that you demanded, right? Well, what was it about Gervonta Davis yeah, that you course. wanted to show? You know, the, he's, he's, I think he's the, the name that everybody doesn't want to fight. You know, he's really dangerous. He has 22 knockouts out of 23. And people were saying that I was scared to fight big names, that I was scared to fight, you know, Gary Russell, uh, Ring and Doug. And I think Tank Davis is a better fighter than, than them. So... I wanted to show them that I'm not, I wasn't scared of nobody. And that's why I call out Tank David because he's a big name. He's a superstar. He's a great fighter. And if I go out there, people are going to know that I wasn't scared to fight Regan Dukes or Russell. And I'm here to fight the best. Yeah, no doubt about it, Leo. I mean, the bottom line is with yeah. uh, Gervonta take, Tank Davis, this is a guy whose power, I mean, look, having covered many of your fights, this is a guy whose power is probably the most significant that you've ever faced in your career. You're a guy who fights, you know, in such a pressure forward fighting style. Are you walking into, you know, a knockout by doing that? Or how, ca how can you, you know, consider both of these uh, things that are going on and, and still try to win this fight? You know, I know it can be a hard fight. I know I could walk in there and, you know, the knockout because he does have the power. But, you know, we're training really hard in the gym. We're practicing not to get caught with those big shots. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, I want to go out there and give a great fight for the fans. I want to show them I'm not scared of nobody. And like I said, you know, even though it's a hard fight and people don't believe in me and everything, I want to prove them wrong. I'm very motivated for this fight and try to prove them wrong. And I'm just going to go out there and give a great show and hopefully we get the win. Has that criticism bothered you? I mean, a lot of it, you know, can be connected to the fact that, you know, these are the opponents that are there for, for you. Certainly, you have a very close relationship with Al Heyman, and he has worked very hard to kind of craft your career and make sure that you are, quote unquote, taken care of. But has it, has it, has it really kind of sunk into you and, and eaten away at you when people say, like, you know, you haven't fought the type of competition that you should be fighting? Yeah, of course, you know, it does eat in me inside, you know. Sometimes I get, like I said, I get depressed, you know, I'm thinking about all those things. 
that's why you know I train hard. I push myself, and I I was pushing for the big fights. And I know that if I go out there and just give my best, people are still gonna support me. They're gonna be behind me, and that's what I'm trying to do. You know, go out there, leave everything in the ring, and whatever happens, happens. You know, I'm just gonna go out there, like give a great fight, and hopefully the fans they go home happy and they 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 want to see me fight again. The best thing in your advantage, uh, Leo, correct, is is your experience. And clearly, I mean, look, as as I've said, it's covering so many of your fights, I've only seen you backed up one time, and that was against Carl Frampton in the first fight. So how can you lean on that experience and that chin to win this fight? For this fight, we got to be smart. I got to do what I can do with Carl Frampton, use my reach, my experience, fighting from the outside. Not brawling with him because we know he's strong and if he catches it with a good shot, he could hurt us. But we're warriors, you know, we're warriors. At the end of the day, when we're up there in the ring, we want to give the fans a great fight. And like I said, you know, I'm going to leave everything in the ring. I'm going to go out there and the only way he's going to beat me is knocking me out and we're going to go with everything. Leo, you know, you're a guy that started his career at 118 pounds. You want a title there. You want another yeah. title at 122, another 126. Now you're a champion at 130 pounds. And Javante Davis is a guy coming down from 135 pounds. How much confidence do you have that he's actually going to make weight? You know, I think he's going to make weight because, you know, I think the last fight when he didn't make weight at 135, it was because, you know, it was during Thanksgiving, during Christmas. So, you know, during those days, it's really hard not to eat. I think he was like, oh, I'm just going to eat a little bit, probably drop it off with, you know. So I think it was because of that. And for this fight, he's been in camp for, I think, three months. So he's been training more. He's been training harder. And he's taking this fight very serious. I've seen him in the gym training, running, and doing everything he has to do because he knows he has a hard fight in front of him too. And I, so that's motivation. And he's his first review fight. So he wants to look his best, and I know he's going to come make weight and train hard. What would happen, Leo, if he doesn't make 130 pounds? You, you know, I'm sure there are stiff penalties in there, but could you see yourself being open to make moving the weight up above 130 to make the fight go forward? Yeah, you know, if, if he doesn't make weight, uh, we're going to try to make him drop as much as he can. We're not gonna, we don't want him to be five, four pounds over. If he's like one, two pounds over, you know, we're still going to go with the fight, you know, because this is a big fight. Uh, and there's going to be penalties, I think, if he doesn't make weight. But at the, end of the day, at the end of the day, you know, I'm a warrior. No matter what, I want to fight him. Uh, we can't, you know, we've, I've been training really hard for this fight and everything. And the the weight, I don't think it's going to be no issue. I think he's going to come as close as he can. And he's going to make the fight happen no matter what. Yeah, I can't wait for the fight. It's definitely one of the best on the fall schedule. Great clash of styles with your volume punching against his punching power. Um, Lance mentions your close relationship with Al Heyman earlier. And in fact, your firstborn yeah. son is named after Al Heyman, right? Yep, it is. Yeah. <laughs> can you can you talk about that special relationship you have with Al Heyman? Because obviously us media members don't talk to him and the fans only know what they hear with these rumors, but you know the man. <laughs> yeah, I know I do. I know him really well. You know, me and him, we have a you know great connection. He's been there for me. I always thank him because I say that thanks to him. I'm where I'm at too because, you know, he has helped me. He's been there with me. And, you know, I, I'm really, you know, thankful. And that's why I, I named my child after him because thanks to him, I have everything I have. And he is like, you know, he treats me like family. He he talks to me. And he is, you know, great having him here. Every since I signed with him, everything started, you know, coming out great. Uh, I started making money and I owe it out to him. 
What did he say when he found out that you were naming your firstborn son after him? Uh, you know, he was very happy. He, he to the, I, I asked him for permission. I told him, hey, I'll, I can, can I name my, my son after you? And he was like, yeah, of course. Yeah. He, he got really happy. And he <laughs> said that, yeah, that I could name him. And ever since, you know, he's been going great. And, you know, we, we're like family. No doubt about it, Leo. I actually heard a story today from someone who's uh, close to PBC, and they said that Al Heyman has kept everyone on the payroll all through COVID, that he's, you know, paid the people that that needed to be paid. And, I mean, I know this guy, yeah. he's not a guy who talks to the media, so we don't know him as well as we should have, but you you do. Yeah. Um, does that surprise you at all that he, he takes those kinds of uh, measures to make sure that people are taken care of? Of course not. It doesn't surprise me at all. Like, like, like you're saying, you know, that's why, you know, I'm really grateful for that because, you know, he takes care of everybody. No matter who it is, he takes care of you. He's always there for you, no matter what. And like I said, you know, I don't know if you guys knew this, but also like when, when, when I was barely beginning and I didn't have uh, enough money to, I wanted to buy my mom a house. Um, I didn't have enough money and he, he let me borrow. That what I needed the rest for the money to to buy my my mom her house and make her dream come true. You know, yeah. that was my dream too to buy my mom a house when I had enough money, and I didn't have enough to buy the house my mom wanted. And he he let me borrow money to to buy it and make my mom dream come true. That's amazing. And I know that I think one of the things that where he, he was immediately touched by you was when he saw your father up in the ring with you when you won your first belt. Give an update to the uh, <laughs> listeners about how your how your father and trainer Jose Santa Cruz is doing right now as he uh, continues his fight against cancer. Yeah, you know my dad right now, thank God he's he's doing better. Not not, not great, great, but he you know thank God he's here with us. He's healthy, and you know even though sometimes he's in pain and he's a little bit weak, but he's never missed a, a like a day in the gym. He's always there trying to go see me, push me, motivate me, and you know that's what I love about him that. No matter what, what he's feeling, he still tries to go to the gym and is there with me, supporting me. Yeah, and and he's he's able to continue. Yeah. He's able to continue that work on a day, daily basis. Yeah, he is. The only time he doesn't go is when he has like doctor appointments. He has to be the doctor at like at ten a.m. or nine a.m. But when he can, he goes to appointments. And then if he has time left, he will still go to the, to the gym. He'll get there like around twelve, eleven, something. But no matter what, he tries. He tries not to miss a, a day because I think he's more happy at the gym than he's at home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, that's awesome to hear. Your dad's a great man. Glad to hear he's doing well. Yeah. I know he's an important part of your team, Thank obviously, you. both inside the ring and outside. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, you you mentioned you know you talked about how much Heyman's done for you, and now Heyman is putting you yeah. on pay per view. This is your pay per view headline debut. Was this an important milestone for your career? Yeah, it was, you know, it was, that's what I always dream of, you know. Uh, I never thought I would be in a pay-per-view fight. Um, I thought if I was, I was only going to be like the undercard or the opening fights or stuff like that. I never thought I was going to be the main event in a pay-per-view fight because, you know, it's really hard to, to get in, you know, in this position. But, you know, thanks to Al, he got in me here. I listened to him and everything and, you know, do, do, dreams do come true and I'm living it right now. I'm very happy and motivated and yes, you know, I still can't believe it. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a great fight and you know, th I think this is maybe the first time I can really remember you being a big underdog and it's no surprise, right? You're moving up in weight against a younger guy, a bigger puncher. Yeah. 
Uh-huh. Uh, but you know this, yep. right? You said this is why you wanted to take on a big challenge. You said the criticism stung you. What are you hoping to prove to everyone who doubted you in this fight? Yeah, you know, yeah, like say, you know, I'm the underdog. The first time I'm being the underdog, uh, it don't matter for me. You know, I'm motivated. I want to go out there and prove them wrong. That's what I'm gonna try to do: prove them wrong. And again, they, you know, I want to go out there, give a great fight, and yes, you know, leave everything in the ring. And you know, that's what I want. But I know I'm gonna leave everything in the ring. I'm gonna go with a great mentality, go well prepared, and whatever happens, happens. I'm gonna go out there. Yeah, lastly, oh yeah, we know you always give a great effort. We you routinely throw yeah. over a thousand punches, which is just mind boggling. Uh, and we've seen that Javante Davis is a guy that can be out hustled, right? He he sometimes throws only a couple of punches in a round. How confident are you and your father that you can out hustle him and throw your regular thousand plus punches in this fight? Yeah, no, yeah, I'm confident. I, I I think I could do that, you know. But at the same time, maybe that could be a mistake because I'm gonna be on top of him, you know, throwing a lot of punches. Uh, since he has the power, he's, he's going to probably be waiting for me to open up or something and throw the big shots, and he might be able to catch me or something. But like I said, you know, we're going to try that. And if we see that he's landing great shots or hurting me, we're going to move. We're going to not stay there. And it's not going to be easy to throw 100 punches around like that. But if we can do that, we're going to be smart. It no matter if we have to throw less punches, but we're going to try to pick our punches and just try to hurt him too and be winning round by round. Leo, thank you so much for joining us. We can't wait for the fight. That's October 31st, Halloween, at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio on Showtime Pay-Per-View. Thank you, Leo. No, thank you guys very much. No, thank you guys. Hopefully, i give you guys a great fight, and I'm just going to go out there and give my best. And a quick pause right now as we hear from our sponsor. Leo, thanks again so much for joining us. You can follow him on Twitter at Leo Santa Cruz 2 and on Instagram L, at El Famoso Terriamoto. Um, and of course, that's going to be Showtime pay per view October 31st. Travante Davis against Leo Santa Cruz. Uh, Lance, I, I thought Leo was really insightful. I, I love to hear that the criticism. You know, is really driving him, and he has a chip on his shoulder. And this is not something I'm used to hearing with Leo. Yeah, because he's always been, you know, like you said, he is one of the great, uh, nice guys in boxing, no doubt about it. And he doesn't really let that out, but he did today. And it was very refreshing to hear because, look, we like to know that the, you know, the passion that is behind what these fighters will be carrying into the ring. And undoubtedly, after what he said today for Leo Santa Cruz, you know, even at standing as a four division champion, he is, he has heard those, those knocks of criticism that a lot of these titles have been handed to to him, gifted to him maybe, by Al Heyman. And he's like, look, enough is enough. And I look, I've had conversations with Leo over the years. He has he has sought the, the guys that he spoke about. He has sought Gary Russell. He has sought Rigondeaux. And for whatever reason, and maybe it is Heyman, those fights haven't happened. But he put his foot down. He needed to put his foot down. And he's going to get this fight, this pay-per-view um, bout that is just going to be so uh, exciting to have uh, fans back in in there in Texas, which is uh, such a, a a lively atmosphere as it is. It's it's going to be a, a true uh, special event for the sport. No doubt about it. Can't wait for that, and I especially can't wait for this Saturday, Vasily Lomachenko against Teofimo Lopez. Uh, I've been watching the Blood, Sweat, and Tears series on ESPN. 
bad blood all around. <laughs> this is uh, somehow personal for Teofimo Lopez. He feels disrespected by Lomachenko, and I hope it plays out that way in the ring. This is really one of those fights where I don't have a great grip on what's going to happen, you know? I could see Lomachenko playing with him and then stopping him. I could see Teofimo Lopez exerting his brute strength and power and knocking Lomachenko out. I could see a close decision win for either guy. Um, that's what makes a great fight. And this is really one of the rare times where the fight we want to see happen is happening at the time you want to see it. Yes, it absolutely is, Mike. I'm going to make a prediction right now, and I know you've kind of like uh, goaded me into this, but I'm going to stick with it. <laughs> Look, I said it from the start of the year, and I'm going to uh, stay with it right now. I believe Teofimo Lopez, who is big into the idea of see uh, seeing a reality and then making it happen, I believe he's going to land that defining knockout punch on an older Vasily Lomachenko. And around the seventh round, I would say, and he's going to he's going to win this fight. He's going to shock the world and he's going to give this sport uh, a very charismatic character. That, let's be honest, it could use one more of these guys. And everything that we've seen, Mike, I mean, he's been in there. He's been in there with some boxers that, you know, no, nothing near Lomachenko, but he's been in there with some boxers so far. And he has held his own and he still finds a way to land that big punch. And I just see him doing it again. I know that logic says, like you said, that Lomachenko is going to toy with him and he's going to be looking over at Lopez's uh, loudmouth father and giving him winks and, <laughs> you know, letting him know, I, you know, I own you and your son right now. But do not discount the idea of Tiafima Lopez's power. He's the bigger man and he knows what he's doing in there and he's insistent this, this night is going to be his. Yeah, I don't doubt it for a second. Look, if Teofimo lands clean on anybody, especially a smaller man in Lomachenko, it's lights out. We saw the way he eviscerated Richard Comey. He's done the same to lesser guys like Mason Menard and Diego Magdaleno. This is a bad man, especially with that big right hand, and he has all the confidence to go with it. I, I think it's clear that the longer this fight goes, the worse it is for Teofimo Lopez, right? Mm -hmm. so I mean, true. Lomachenko is so experienced. If he could take him into those championship rounds, it's, you know, I, I like Lomachenko's chances. But I like Teofimo better early. If Teofimo can get to him, uh, push him back, um, you know, fight him dirty, right? That's the way Orlando Salido won. He fought him real dirty. Um, you know, make it ugly in the clinch, push him around, throw some elbows maybe. I'm sure Teofimo's not going to be afraid to do that. We know his father's going to tell him to, to make it a rough and tumble fight. I want to see how Teofimo deals with him early on, how he can exert his will and, you know, kind of say, hey, look, I'm, I'm the ring general here. I'm, I'm the one. I'm the bully. <laughs> it's going to be interesting, Mike. If I can just uh, step in here, I've got a, a story that's coming on The Athletic that will be posted uh, Wednesday morning that I urge you all to check out, in which I talked to seven of Lomachenko's former opponents, including Orlando Salido, about just what makes uh, Lomachenko so special in the ring. And he uses those early rounds, Mike, to really size up his opponents, to really kind of like solve what the distance is and to know, you know, just where his opponent can reach him and where he can't reach him. He makes them miss, as one of the opponents said, and then he makes them pay. And we've seen that time and again from Vasily Lomachenko. And certainly that's his plan again against a, a younger Tiafima Lopez. You know, can he do it? Will he do it? Is it? Is there any concern of the, you know, the way that he got hit uh, in his in his most recent fight, which Mike, I mean, it's 14 months ago against Luke Campbell. It's a pretty significant layoff. Is any of that going to be in play? And and is it is it a, any kind of red flag 
hanging over Lomachenko for this fight. You're right. Campbell, a bigger man, was able to hurt him a couple of times, I thought. Use his strength on the inside. And that really gave me some trepidation in picking Lomachenko. But then I remembered that bet I had with you <laughs> when I was Burns picking Rigo, the great Guillermo Rigondeau. And I'm a little jaded now. And at this point, I am I keep thinking about that bet. I keep thinking about how I thought Nicholas <laughs> Walters had a good shot. Yeah. And I'm going to go with Lomachenko in a close fight. You'll be happy to know I was thinking of you because late last night I got I got some quotes emailed me o- over from Rigando of all people and the story that he has to tell about how Lomachenko ducked him for so long and he even says to this point he doesn't think that Lomachenko's really fought anyone other than him and he said it was only because Lomachenko walked into that ring nearly 150 pounds that he that he beat him and the whole time I'm 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 reading this stuff I'm like this is Coppinger's dream to just know that <laughs> Rigo did have a valid excuse. Yeah, I mean, if anything, our bet should have been null and void. Statue of limitations <laughs> on his bets. I mean, I, I made the bet when it was like two years earlier, when Rickendall was like 35 or 36, when his fight was supposed to be at 126 pounds. Yeah. But, you know, I was thinking about you last night too, Lance. Another <laughs> absolutely heartbreaking loss for the Chargers. Uh, it doesn't ma- seem to matter who the coach is, who the quarterback is. Uh, you know, they're cursed. Beyond curse. It's just, it's just so pathetic, Mike. I mean, the heartbreak that I have endured. And I was telling my son because, you know, earlier in the week, we're actually having grown up in San Diego. We just got, got over the Padres being swept by the hated Dodgers. And then we get this super liver punch of this, uh, you know, field goal that bounces off the upright, off the, uh, the, uh, yeah, the, you know, the bar. I mean, it was just sickening, but you know, we're going to move on. Thank God we got Lopez Lomachenko coming up. And we can focus all our attention on that. You know, and lastly, last we had a pretty good fight over the weekends. Manuel Neverete clearly topping Ruben Villa. Um, I thought Neverete looks pretty good. He's an awkward guy. He, you know, showed his power, dropped Villa a couple of times. I'm excited to see what Neverete could do. Uh, and I think there's a lot of good fights for him at 126, but especially at 130. Yeah. You know, I mean, who would want to see? This guy's massive. I don't know how he made 122 for so no. long. But who wouldn't want to see him against the likes of Miguel Burchell or oh, even Score Stevenson? That'd be incredible, Mike. And I, I think you're you're absolutely right. I mean, the thing that I uh, I I thought about when I'm watching Navaretti is like the boxing purist, probably the boxing trainer who's really uh, honed in on fundamentals, probably hates a lot of what Navaretti does. But he is so he's just so damn powerful, and he finds his way. It's his own way to land these land these killer shots that just you know like. Ruben Villa is a damn good boxer, but at the end of the day, it didn't matter because Navaretti has this, wields this power that just makes everything move. And you're absolutely right. I mean, I know that there's an opportunity now for him to fight someone like a former champion and Jesse Magdaleno, but it's ultimately when he gets up to 130 and maybe even beyond that, where we're going to see such incredible fights, just, you know, uh, powder keg bouts where these guys are just going toe to toe. And I can't, I can't wait to see him involved in this. This is a, he's a special, special talent. I mean, man, the fight I want to see right now though is Emmanuel Neverette versus Josh Warrington, and that's an excellent fight. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would love to see how a guy who's a good boxer like Warrington deals with that awkward style and that size. Um, but you know, like, like you said, Ruben Villa, he can definitely box, but with his, you know, he has no strength and no power. I just don't see how. I don't know how far he can go at the pro level with that. Yeah, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a, a tough battle as you know as was exposed. But look, he's gonna go back to it. He's still a young guy. 
dedicated guy. We know that. And it, you know, kind of maybe reminds you of, I don't know, maybe someone even like Zapeta, where you know that the heart is there. And if you, you can just add in some of the complementary power uh, skills that, you know, with maybe with some uh, strength training, maybe this guy can be uh, someone that will, will land on his feet, so to speak. Yeah, I hope so. But, you know, for now, we're going to look forward to Lomachenko Lopez this Saturday on ESPN. And you can read all of our coverage over at The Athletic. And you can subscribe for just $1 per month right now at theathletic.com slash Pug and Cop. That's our show for today. Thanks so much for joining us as always. 